Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them. However you do that, whether it's in book form or in electronic form, go ahead and turn them on. Uh, And we're going to turn to one of the most familiar parables that Jesus ever taught. I'm enjoying this series during Lent. Lent is a season of the church calendar year where we specifically set aside time for Christ to call us to repentance. Sometimes that's a simple call and our hearts respond. Sometimes it's more like what we saw in that video, chiseling things out and and carving things and smoothing things over in order to bring out His image in us and in our church and into our world. And so today we're going to turn to, again, one of the most familiar parables. It's the parable of the lost son, or we call it, does anybody want to take a guess, the parable of the prodigal son. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's just found our, its way right into our very uh, lives. Even if you're not in church, if someone's been gone a long time and, and uh, comes back, you know, you, oh, the prodigal returns. People know this story that shows its endearing qualities and the beauty of the grace of this passage. Sometimes, however, we miss the challenge of this passage. And so I want us to, to look at this, but let's read it because it's quite a lengthy passage. But I want you to I want to set it up just briefly. Jesus is asked all the way at the beginning of chapter 15. We're at Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read starting at verse 11. But I want you to know there was something that was going on in the midst. This is the third parable that Jesus tells in this passage. And it, all three of them come because of this. I want to read this first before we get to our passage. This is verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners. Now tax collectors were people, Jewish people, who were working along the occupying forces of Rome to collect taxes from their own brothers and sisters to pay for the salaries of those who were occupying the country. So these aren't just like IRS agents. I mean, you know, as much as none of us wants to see an IRS agent or get an email from one or a letter from one, these were like, this takes tax collecting to a whole new low. So the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people, were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's the setup. Jesus then turns and begins to tell the tax collectors and sinners, yes, but probably more importantly for those religious folks to hear about a lost coin and a lost sheep. And then some lost sons. So let's, uh, let's read about these lost sons. This is our passage for today. And because this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you stand in reverence and honor of the gospel, the reading of the gospel? Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. 
The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that were the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called to one of the servants and asked, what was going on? He replied, your brother has has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never even given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of God for the people of God and our response is thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, I may be dating myself here in the, in the era of Netflix and Amazon Prime video and all of those kinds of things, but are there any of you here or online who still remember what it was like to rent a, or to buy a DVD? Yeah. You thought I was going to say VHS, didn't you? No. A DVD. Those are getting obsolete. One of the things that was so fun about DVDs was bonus footage, right? And that was where you could like see sometimes, you know, some, sometimes you'd like the gag reels, you know, where the actors or actresses mess up and, uh, and it's just fun to watch or they get tickled about something and, and those are fun. Sometimes you learn more about the story and what's going on. I remember, you know, I'm a big Lord of the Rings nerd and so, uh, I bought those, I bought the extended editions, you know, like, 
like three hours and ten minutes of Return of the King wasn't enough. I needed the full four hours and twenty minutes to sit and watch. But the bonus footage was even better. Like you found out these, these little nuggets that just change things for you. Like, like in, in the fellowship of the, or I guess it was the two towers. I got to prove my nerddom here. Aragorn, the actor who plays Aragorn, they think that Merry and Pippin, the hobbits, have been captured and they've, they've, been, they've ac- accidentally been killed. And in his anguish, the actor kicks one of the helmets that that's there and screams, ah, and falls to his feet like he's just so brokenhearted that those two have been killed. Well, in the bonus footage, you found out when he kicked the helmet, he actually broke his toe. And so that scream that seemed so real was real. He was in a lot of pain. It's just fun to, to watch those little bonus features and find out something new about something that's very familiar to you. I have to admit that when I saw that this was the passage for us today, I'm like, oh my goodness. I even said this out loud to Lori. Like, how do you say something new about the most powerful and the most popular parable that Jesus ever told. I mean, some of you are already ready for the altar call, right? Like, oh, the sinners come home, repent, you know, Jesus will run to you and wrap his arms around you and, you know, and, and good. That, that was a good part of the story. But I was just like, what, what am I going to find? And I went in and that night I sat down and I was having a cup of tea and I picked up one of the commentaries, it's a newer commentary for me, but I'm enjoying it. It's one of our Nazarene New Beacon Bible commentaries. Uh, if you ever want to go deeper in your study, I highly recommend them. It's really good going through verse by verse. And I learned something new. Bonus material. I didn't even have to buy the DVD. But I began to learn about something new in the familiar. And that is the concept, the Levitical law of bet now, that's Hebrew, and so you know I'm going to be a nerd and make you say it with me, right? So it is the word bet-av. It's actually two words that are kind of put together. So let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Bet-av. Let's say it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Bet-av. And what does bet-av mean? It's two words that are crunched together. Bet is the word for house or home. And av is short for father. So literally, it means the house of the Father. And this was a part of the way society worked, in Je- still in Jesus' day, but all the way from where uh, the Israelites came into the promised land and the land was divided. The principles of Bet-Av. And they were broken down from nation into clans, 12 tribes of Israel, and then into smaller things, down, right down into the bet And the bet of meant that this land was apportioned. God had covenanted with Israel to give them land. And this portion of land, this bet of, is the land of the father, of your father. And it's yours to uh, work, to graze sheep, to grow crops, to do what you can with it. It is yours and it is meant to be yours from generation to generation. And it would often look something like this. And so I want to show you this, this picture. So you see the surrounding land, not a whole lot of it, but you can kind of see back into the back. But Families would then live together on the land. And once there were sons, 
then they would live near. And when they got married, they would live with their families near. And they would work the bet of. They would work towards it. And eventually some of that, if when the father passed away, uh, would be divided. Now, it's not necessarily equal. The oldest son would get about you know, two-thirds, and the youngest son, and we have two here, and then they would divide it, if there were more, they would divide it in different ways. But the goal of Bet-Av was to realize this land belongs to the fathers of my father, of my father, of my father. And while my father is alive, my goal, even if I'm married, is to live and work the lands and bring the income in and bring the help and bring the survival of our family in together. And then once we, we learn all of that, when he passes on, then it divides and we continue. We have a new bet of and it continues together. It was very close and very close knit and very tight. And so I want you to hold on to that concept of bet of. As we go through, because for me, it changed so much of how you read this and how you hear this today. Keep that in mind as we go, because I really honestly, and I've already hinted at it a little bit, believe that the sons are the same. The older and the younger struggle in the same four ways. And we see this like this. This is the way that they're the same. Uh, both sons fragr- flagrantly treat the father's property as their own. They flagrantly treat the father. One's a little more passive about it. The other's a little more active and bold about it. But both of them flagrantly treat the father's property as their own. They also, both sons, both of them, flee from the father. Again, one's a little more passive and one's a little more active in the fleeing, but both of them flee from the father. Both sons give flimsy excuses to the father when they come back. They, they, they both give these flimsy excuses and, and they, they try and rely on their own wits and things as they're moving back in, but still thinking about themselves in the midst of their flimsy excuse to the Father. And then both sons experience a Father who is full of grace. These sons are the same, but we need to look at this because I believe this understanding of bet of begins to help us see a little bit deeper, to push through the familiar and go a little bit deeper into the story, into the offense that would have been heard by the religious folks and into maybe, maybe, just maybe, the joy and good news that someone who was far from God might hear and enjoy. So let's look at the, the younger son. Let's look at his flagrant treatment. I mean, let's think back to the bet of, right? So he's only going to get, he's the younger son, so he's probably going to get maybe one-third of this property. But instead, instead of saying, okay, my job is to work for the family and the bet of, and someday I will have a portion of that for my family and my sons. We all live together here. He goes to his father and basically, in a sense, says to him, to me, you're dead already. 
Can't you just get on with the dying and give me the goods? Literally, the father right then could have invoked something from Deuteronomy and taken his son with his wife to the gates and said, this is my son, and he's a rebel, and he's a drunkard, and they just stoned him. So already the father, we're seeing this father full of grace, because he doesn't do that. He divides the property between them. Now, you and I, in our Western understanding, we think, okay, so the father then decided to go down to the Bank of Galilee, or Jerusalem Savings alone, and he took out a part of what he had saved for retirement for his sons, and he gave him all the money. No, remember, get back into bet off. He decreed in front of the family and probably some structures like this, my son has his portion. Here it is. Then we find out that a few days later, the son leaves with all his possessions. Now, how is he going to put land in his pocket? It says he left with all his property. How do you do that? You sell the property. You, you sell, like, a couple of rooms in that house. You, you sell. It, w- it would be like any of you who have started a business and have children, and, and you've, you've got your business going, and one of your children demands their property, their shares of your, pro- of your business, and you give it to them, and they sell it to your arch rival. All of a sudden, the, the neighbor farm, who maybe you get along with and maybe you don't, maybe is a part of a different tribe, he can move his boundary line way in next to your house. Hi, neighbor. Did you want that? How many of you, if you've not started a business, how many of you would enjoy if your, your child moved out? And oh, by the way, Dad, I sold my bedroom and uh, the rights to the bathroom uh, for five hours a day. Hope you're okay with that. Do you begin to see the offense that's in this? So he does this. He flagrantly uses the father's property as his own. And then he flees. He takes off in verse 13. We see that he leaves with all his property and goes into a far country. And there he squanders it in wild living. I wanted to make this short because I I know we're tempted as good evangelical people to to really embellish and talk about all the the ways that he messed up his life. But here in three words that all begin with M, he fled. He fled from his family, yes. He fled from his responsibilities, yes. But while he was in that faraway land, he continued to flee. He fled from his money. He fled from his morals. And we get all the way down to where he actually fled from his own mind, his own common sense. I mean, the Bible is going to tell us here in a second that when he came to himself, he was so far, he had fled so far from his money that it was all gone and he was destitute. He had fled so far from his morals in that wild living that he did. And also for a Jewish boy to take care of pigs is against the religious standards of the day. And from his own mind, he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. Anybody here been around pigs? Seen what pigs eat? Never once have I thought about putting some of that in my mouth. Or within 20 feet of me. 
But he has lost money. He's fled from money, his morals, and his mind. But then he comes to himself. And he begins to think up his flimsy excuse. Ah, how many of the servants in my dad's house have plenty to spare? They can eat and they're satisfied. Yes, they have to work, but it'll be okay. It'll be almost just like before. One of the commentators I read said he was still thinking by himself, of himself. He was thinking of his own stomach. But there is one important thing that he does. He starts walking home. Do you remember, does this sound like any of the words we've ever learned here? He was going in this direction. He was fleeing. He was leaving his money, his morals, his mind. He was moving this way. But he turns around and begins to walk in a different direction. Does anybody remember the Greek word that this is? How about metanoia? He repents. He turns around. Yes, it's his body, not necessarily the thoughts and his word, but he begins to move towards home. He begins to move in the opposite direction of fleeing. He begins to, to, to really fly home. And he gets home, and this is where the younger son encounters that father full of grace. Because the Bible says, while he was still far off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. Filled with compassion. The Greek word there is a real tongue twister. And even though I've written it out in English for us, it's still going to be difficult for me to say it to you. But you know I'm going to have you say it with me. So listen. All right. Esplagnidse. Yeah, it's a fun one, isn't it? Esplagnidse. Let's say it together. Ready? Esplagnidse. Say it one more time. One, two, three. Esplagnidse. And literally what this means to be filled with compassion is from the guts. To have your guts just turn inside out and it causes you to move. It's like two... It's. Sorry, dad joke. It's a great naval engagement. One stomach is drawing him home because he's so hungry, and the other one's stomach is just pulling him forward, and boom, there's a great engagement together. The closest thing I can think of to in today's day and age is when one of our military servicemen or women come home, and you just see it as soon as the loved one sees the military service member. It's like boom you can just see everything that's going on inside and it's like i've got to connect with that person and i've seen women just crawl up into arms i've seen kids leap like they're american high jumpers into parents arms as they come home because ed's is pulling them forward and the younger son experiences this and he tries to get out his words His well-crafted thinking of me, but the father won't hear it. The father restores everything he fled from. Restores with a ring, restores with a robe, and he's very quick to say, the best one. Not the one. This guy just came from feeding pigs. But don't get the one that can be washed really easy. Get the best one. Put it on him. Shoes on his feet. Let's eat. He's hungry. 
He was dead. He's alive. He was lost. He's found. We love this part of the story, don't we? But we can't stop there. That's where we love to stop. And it's, it's a wonderful place. And many people know Jesus today because someone told them that story. But today we're pushing into something new. Past the familiar into something a little deeper. And we need to look at the older son. Because that's who Jesus was trying to get to. He, he knew that the tax collectors and sinners were all around him. And so he wanted them to hear about what, what uh, just warms the father's heart. But he also knew he had some standing in the back pointing fingers. And he needed them to hear. And so he talks about the older brother. Same actions, different order though. We begin to see the older son, he flees first. He comes in and he hears music and dancing and what's going on? I've been working and now I'm, I'm moving in. I'm hearing all this noise in the house. Oh, what's going on in there? Your brother has come home and your father's killed the fatted calf and he's throwing a party. And the older son flees passively. He doesn't run away to a faraway country, but he stays out in the fields. I'm not coming in. I know in the bet of it would be a part of my responsibility to be at that party, but I'm not going in there. And he stays out in the fields. The older son then has his flimsy excuse, and we see that in verse 29. He says, I've done my time. I have worked like a slave for you. No goats for me. I mean, you're talking about the best of the best, the fatted calf. I don't even get a goat for my friends. I'm just going to stay out here. Then he comes out, and this is where the older son, subtly, but we begin to see, we see how he is treating the bet of the father's stuff. He is flagrantly treating it as his own. Saying, this son of yours who ran away. And I like the way the NRSV translates it. It's actually right on. Devoured your property. It is the Greek word kataphagon. You want to say that with me? One, two, three. Kataphagon. Say it one more time. One, two, three. Kataphagon. Ate down your property. He begins to show his hand that he's doing some calculating in here. If this guy's coming back after all of that property is gone, remember, it's, he sold it to those people over there, our new neighbors. Remember? Remember how they're using that land that used to be ours? And now we have less per year because we can't use that part of the land. We have to graze less. We can't plant as much. And now they're using that. And now he's come back and we're going to have another mouth to feed. And what's going to, and you're killing the fatted calf and you gave him a ring and shoes and a robe and you're beginning to use up what's supposed to be for me on him. We begin to see in his complaint the subtleness of his exact same flagrant use of the property that is still all the father's. But then he also sees 
a father who's full of grace. When the brother, the older brother, can't even bring himself to say, my brother, he says what? This son of yours. The father corrects him and says, hey, everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because why? This brother of yours has come home. He was dead, but he's alive. He was lost. And the word there is utterly lost, utterly destroyed. I won't, tell, I won't teach you one more Greek word today. But now he's been found. And we've got to celebrate. It's as if the father was telling us about what the heart of the bet of is. The heart of the father, the ethos of the house of the father. He says to his older son, it's not about waiting for a party with your friends. It's about welcoming new friends to throw a party for. You want to write that down. You want to take a picture of it. You want to meditate on that this week. You want to understand that when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to the house of the Father, it's not about waiting around for a party with your friends. It's about welcoming new friends to throw a party for. That's why the house exists. And Jesus wanted those Pharisees and those religious people to understand that what they were seeing with these tax collectors and sinners, the worst of the worst, so to speak, who were there, they were coming to him and they were repenting. He wants them to know that's what the house of the Father, the Father, is all about. And they, of all people, should know it. Because the prophets had been telling them for centuries that when the Anointed One came, the nations would come to God's holy hill and would seek Him with all their heart. And they were seeing it, but they were missing it. Because they thought, this was all ours. And they're taking it. And Jesus wants them to know through this story, it's not about waiting for a party with your friends. It's about welcoming new friends to throw a party for. That's the challenge and the struggle of this beautiful parable that we sometimes stop too soon in. The question then for you and for me today is whose house is this? Whose house is this? Some of you gave money so that this house could be built. But the truth is, sometimes, folks, when we give, when we work, when we serve, when we do all of those things, slowly but surely we can develop an older brother mentality that says, this is about waiting around for a party with my friends. My kids are saved. My family's saved. We're all here. We've done our time. We've done our thing. And now we're just waiting for our little goat so we can party. And just like that older brother, the longer we wait for our little goat party, we can sometimes begin to develop some bitterness and some walls that, that keep some folks out. And Jesus needs to come to us today if we have that attitude and mentality and say, hey guys, whose house is it? 
Is it still the bet of? Or is it the bet you? Because his house is not about waiting for a party with your friends. His house is about welcoming friends so that we can throw a party for them. And we can spend the money to throw a party for them. And we can use resources for them. And we can give our time and our talent and our treasure for them. And when that happens, that's when we begin to see we're a part of the great party. Are you with me today? I know this can be an ouch. This can be a a step on toes. But come on, whose house is it? Is this house, is Cross Community Church still the bet of or is it the bet us? Folks, if it's the bet us, we're going to see it get smaller and smaller and smaller. And we're going to see walls and we're going to see shriveling up of our own hearts. And we're never going to see the party. And the call today and the call in Lent is that if we've made this the bet us, is to repent. To declare... This is the bet of. This is the, this is the Father's house. And the Father's about us learning to welcome in new friends to throw a party for. And that means we use our resources. And that means we use our time. That means we use our talent. That means we use our treasure, our money, in order to make this place a party for someone who hasn't walked in those doors yet or joined us online yet. That's what it's all about. And today, the call is back into the party. Such, I mean, Jesus is such a brilliant storyteller because he sets it all up and he says the only difference, we've been talking about the similarities between these two sons, the only difference between the sons is that one of them recognizes what he's done, repents, and returns to the father. That's the only difference between the younger and the older son is one of them repents and returns. But he ends the story. And we don't know if the older son ever goes in. Isn't that brilliant? It's like Jesus just sets it all up and says, okay, whose house is it? I'm waiting for your answer. So my friends, today, on this Sunday of Lent, where we set it aside for God to work on us, and the question has come today, Whose house is this? Is it the bet of or the bet us? We close today by saying, which son will you be like? Are you realizing? Maybe I've made this and this all about me and us and mine. Can can I say to you, God is beginning to bless And we're beginning to see, I I counted this morning, and I know I didn't get everybody because I wasn't using the little app that we have, but there are about 35 new people in different families who are joining us, and and that's something to celebrate and party about. Now, I don't think they've all been out squandering their property and horrible living, 
But they're here. And let's celebrate it. Because that's what the heart, that's what the house of the Father is all about. Where does this hit you? Are you ready to party? Are you ready to go in? God, send them. Let's go. Let's, let's do this. I want to be a part of the party. I want to throw the party. I want to pour the punch at the party. I want to cut the cake at the party. I want to be there. I want to be the greeter for the party. I want to teach the kids and keep them entertained. I'm going to be the clown for the party. I'm going to, I'm going to do the magic tricks for the party. Whatever I need to do, I want to be in the party because that's where, because this is your house. You spend how you want to spend. You use me how you want to use me. Because I'm all in. I'm here for the party. Is that you? Or are you going to stand out in the fields and wait for your goat? Folks, it won't come. Because the heart of the part, the heart of the Father is for the party for those who are coming home. So let's be like that son. And where we struggle with that. Let's confess and let's repent. Can we pray this morning? Father, we're so grateful for this familiar parable. That when we're far from you, we're running away from our responsibilities the life that you gave us and for many people when we were far away we were running away from our money our morals and even our minds we're grateful that this story calls us home and tells us the father is waiting to run to us And I pray that if there's someone here who's hearing this story today and that's their story, that they would do like that younger son and they would turn and they would run and find you with your guts just being pulled towards them into their arms to embrace them and forgive them and begin to party. So if there's someone online who's watching or someone here in the building, just pray like this, Father. I want to come home. I've been far away and I need you. I need that Father full of grace. Giving the stuff that I don't deserve, the forgiveness I don't deserve, the restoration I don't deserve. I need that. And may they find right now in this moment that you are doing that immediately here in this moment. May they know Jesus who is meeting with you with them may they sense him forgiving and helping them Father we're also grateful that this story reminds us of what your heart's all about what your house is for it's for lost people to be found it's for dead people to be made alive It's for those of us who are here to be a part of the party. So God, if we've been sitting around waiting to have a party with our friends, remind us, convict us today that the call is to welcome new friends to throw a party for. 
if we've backed away from using our time or our talents or even our treasures for the purpose of that party, oh God, convict us right now. May we enter into the party. May we come to you and say, this is all yours. You use it. Use me. However, where can I serve? And move us into the party. And may we experience the joy of seeing many, many lost people come to know you. And may we party with every person you bring us. For it's all yours. And we are your people, your sons and your daughters. Teach us and instruct us, we pray. God, it's so good to be here today. Send us out now to look for new people to invite to the party. Shape in us a willingness to surrender once again this place as your bet of, as the house of the Father. For we pray and ask all of these things in the name of the Father who is for us. In the name of the Son who is with us. And in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and sisters, no matter which Son you identify with, I pray you would sense the Father running to you. Calling you into the party changing your heart with forgiveness and grace. And may you go this week looking for new people to bring to the party with you. Because in a few weeks, we celebrate the reason for the party. And we want the bet off. The house of the Father full for the party. Amen? Amen. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Go in his name. Go in his strength and grace. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us online. May God bless you. We'll see you next week. Stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3nas.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.